Welcome to Journey to Esquire, the podcast. I'm Jocelyn Hardrick, founder and president of Diversity Access Pipeline, Inc., the company behind this podcast and other great programs. Journey to Esquire Scholarship and Leadership Program provides $2,000 cash scholarships to third-year law students and internships to second-year law students, along with leadership, training, and mentors. Journey to Esquire, the blog, provides insightful articles to help navigate you through law school and beyond. Find out more on our website, www.journeytoesquire.com. Hi, it's Jocelyn Hardrick, the host of Journey to Esquire, the podcast. Welcome back uh, to this episode. In this episode, we pass the mic to Precious L. Williams, who is the CEO and founder of Perfect Pitches by Precious LLC. Precious is someone who um, calls herself the killer pitch master, and she works with her customers to develop the perfect pitch to get tools and tenacity to pitch with power, sell with storytelling, and develop a masterful mindset for communication. She wants to show you how to slay all competition, and she busts norms and shifts perspectives to help teams own their awesome and bring out their wow factor. And so today, we're going to talk to Precious about her journey to Esquire, because that's the name of this podcast, before we go into all these wonderful things that she's currently working on. And she's going to share with us some of her work, some of her books, her website. All that information will be in the show notes as well. And so I want to welcome Precious Williams. Welcome, Precious. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. So... You know, I met you on Ladies Who Leverage, which is a network of ladies just doing awesome things, particularly entrepreneurship. And there's a lot of lawyers in that group. And I didn't realize, like, I I saw all your stuff on social media, all your uh, great motivational posts, all the great awards you win, all the books you've been publishing, the talks you've been doing, and then you posted about your journey to being a lawyer and how that all turned out. And I said, oh man, I didn't, I forgot you did all that, putting those two things together. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, oh, you'll be perfect for this podcast because you're, you have a non-traditional career now, right? Some people think they go to law school and that's it, you're a lawyer for the rest of your life, but that's right. just the beginning. So let's go back to your beginning. Why did you decide to become a lawyer? Quinn, I'm gonna be honest with you. I used to watch Perry Mason, the black and white, version, LA law, law and order. Um, I, I wanted, and when I, when Johnny Cacker said, that if the glove doesn't fit, you must have quit. I said, I want to be better than Johnny. I, like, I just felt like that was in me to be an advocate, someone who's not afraid to get in the trenches and argue. Now, I don't argue just to be arguing. That's not my thing. But when I speak and when I knew I was going to be in the courtroom, I knew I had drama. I knew I had flair, but I also could make people emotionally feel things. And I want to be better than Johnny Cochran. I actually love Star Jones when she was on court TV. I mean, the things I used to watch informed me in wanting to be an attorney. And when I first started, it was because I wanted to be you know, in family law. And then I was like, you know what, criminal law sounded a little bit more sexy. And so that is what I I went for. And law school was not exactly, wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And so that's, it was really television and just believing that, hey, if they can do it, 
So can I. Yeah, I mean, I have this, this, the same story. I had Matlock too. We had Claire. Oh, Matlock, girl, had... <laughs> you the night girl. I know. Yeah, the Matlock made you think you'd be out there investigating, right? Doing all the interesting oh, Yep. Instead of being stuck, you know, in the office all day researching, but we're oh, gonna get FaceTime. to Can we talk about FaceTime? Like there was oh, a lot of yeah. things that what I what I was told was lawyering versus what it really was. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a different experience. So yeah. so you know, we all have these dreams to be a lawyer when we're younger, some of us form it when we're older, and then there's like getting into law school. So what was that experience like for you? Well, you know, I don't know if they still have these today, but when I was a student at Spelman College in Atlanta, every year there would be this organization would bring all these law schools into one hotel and you got to meet with um, the different representatives. When I walked in, I met this woman from Georgetown University Law Center. And, you know, we were just talking. I don't know. I just felt something between us happen. And, you know, I got I got the information and everything. And went to the other thing, there was something about our interaction that made me feel different. So it was the first application I sent off. And of course I applied to other great schools, but the first acceptance letter I got was from Georgetown University Law Center. And I think that that speaks to the power of, of course I have the gift of speech, but also there was a connection made that went through the entire process and made that easy. I mean, first school I got into was Georgetown, then I got into all of these other great schools, received a full scholarship. So and when was I ever in DC? So I had a full scholarship, Emory, all these other great schools, but it was something about that first interaction with Georgetown. And that's exactly what happened. Moved in on August 25th, 2001. Peep game on the day, August 25th, 2001, the same day that Aaliyah died. We started school in September, 2001. What happened? 9-11. Like, so there was a lot of things that happened when I, but yeah, that's how it all started. When you meet those people who are at these different organizations, try to make that connection because you just do not know that connection may carry them past anything you know and of course I deserve to be there was I, you know I didn't just luck up and get in there but someone I knew advocated for me and I appreciated that yeah that can make all the difference I try to tell my students that now that your networks really is what's going to drive where the doors opened because they're getting tons of applications. What's going to make you stand out? They are. And they're getting legacy applications. They're getting all yes. the things from the first generation college students. So for so for for me, you know, I, I've always been able, JC always says it's move through a room full of vultures. Like I've always been able to do that. Because there's something in me that can sense who has who has the juice, who has the sauce, who has the power. And you need them to know who you are because they will put you in spaces as Joe Osteen, the famous pastor always says, he'll, you know, God will put you in places that you never dreamed of. And so will these people, he will do it through these people. And I mean, Georgetown, I mean, I thought I was in the thousand. I remember, I remember running around Swimming's campus that day when I got that letter. <gasps> like, and the girls were hugging me like, yeah, it was amazing. I still remember it to this day. It was amazing. Yeah, you are a competitive applicant because those are top law schools that you, you know, got into. You know, I like to compete. Let's be clear. <laughs> I was talking to my friend about that the other day, and that's part of that's part of the lawyering experience, right? It, it's you know, it, it it was competitive in a different way. Like so, so many of us will compete on grades and you know those type of credentials. Some people compete in a different way. Some people already have connections, so it's a matter of getting to the best of the best, right? 
yes. then there's some people who like me who's just like, oh, you said I couldn't do it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Proving I feel bad for you, son. And what's interesting is, uh, you know, we're going to move into your law school experience, but you mentioned Aaliyah died, which impacted a lot of people. Um, not just her fans, but just in general, because it was so sudden and it was like in the middle of her creating this beautiful piece of art. And that's course- beautiful. Yeah. And then 9-11. And so a lot of students now who are listening, they're going through the pandemic and having virtual online school for the first time and having to deal with kids at home. And so, you know, it's interesting that these kinds of events happen in cycles and we can learn from other people's experiences going through emergency situations when they thought, oh, I'm starting law school, this is going to be awesome. And then bam, you know, some major thing just puts a wrench into it. We just had someone we interviewed who started law school right after Katrina and he was in New Orleans. So that put a big wrench and he had to pivot. So let's talk about your law school experience. So you get to- Oh, Georgetown, oh, excited. you want both law school experiences? Oh, yes. you want both law <laughs> um, you know, girl. No, seriously. So I started at Georgetown, you know, 9-11 happened. And I'll be honest with you, I'm sure academically, I mean, in school was $50,000 a year. That was 2001, can we talk about that? Okay, great. Everywhere I went, I felt like everybody's parents were either senators, politicians, diplomats. I'm a first generation college student. I felt so bad about myself. I felt like I didn't fit in. People wanted to talk about how many pages they read, how many hours they studied. To me, like I'm a study, but for me, that wasn't, I don't want to have conversations. I, I studied 13 hours a day, Marbury versus Madison. Like, you notice I remember Marbury versus Madison. So that's kind of lost and we know that. Or these other, and I was just like, I just want to have real conversations. And so it was so uncomfortable for me. And, you know, made it through the first semester and my birthday is January 22nd. And my friend from my, my, my friend who I knew at Spelman, she was like, oh, come down for your birthday. I left. <laughs> I told her, I said, I'm scared to go back. I don't fit in. I, I don't fit in. And she was like, is this your, is it the Rickers? I was like, no, I just don't think, I don't think I'm respected. I don't think I'm, I don't know. I, I didn't grow up the way these people did. And being the scholarship recipient, I think they look at me as if I'm less than. Queen, can I tell you today what I should have been thinking, but I didn't because I was young? They had all the trappings of getting here. Here they are facing me. I didn't have any of that, and here I am. Um, so when I didn't come back um, from my birthday, uh, I finally got the courage to come back on like March 14th. Baby, you cannot get through law school coming back on March 14th. That means two months have already gone by. I came back, the Dean told me that he sent a letter to my house, my grandparents, and I was disenrolled. And when I tell you the weight of that hit me so hard. Things said, you know, something about when black people come in here and, and you hear that and you're like, oh my God, he's really saying, I didn't deserve to be here and I messed up. And so for five years I was depressed. So I left, mind you, this is before cell phones, before beep, like all, we didn't have any of that. So I had no credit card, so there's no way to fit them to know where I was. Came to New York, was talking to my mentor, and he said, hey, why don't you go over to Rutgers? He graduated number one in his class in the 70s. Went over to Rutgers, met with the dean. Uh, and, and you know, I'm thinking, oh, they wouldn't want me. They were like, first of all, we're not Georgetown. You got in fair and square, so we'll, we'll give you a full scholarship. In fact, we'll charge in-state tuition, which, you know, make sure at room board, we got you. 
So wow. then Georgetown later says, oh, well, we'd love to have you back part-time. <laughs> and I had to think about that. Okay, Georgia has a bigger name. I'm, I'm giving you the real. Georgia has a bigger name. Rutgers. And then I finally decided, man, let me go with the full ride over her because I'm oh, part-time, man. You ain't getting that kind of coin no more. Went to Rutgers. <laughs> had a nervous breakdown in 2004. I'm telling you, it was it was horrible. It was horrible. So my second semester there, I had a nervous breakdown. Thought it was over. Dean came to my um, hospital room. I was in a psych ward for three months because I did deal with some issues from my past. I grew up very hard. I grew up in poverty and stuff like that. And it will catch up with you. No matter how successful you are, it will have its moment. Dean said, oh, did I tell you, you're going to get through this? Oh, your uh, your donor, the one who donated the money for your scholarship, he said, you're going to get through this. He ain't even worried. Yeah, you just give up this semester. It's not a problem. She said, you will get through this. I promise you. I think my aunt, the thugstress that she is was on them. But anyway, you know what I did? I got through it. And in my wow. last semester, I became, I went into the urban legal clinic, the hardest clinic, because you have real legal cases and special remand court. And Queen, when I tell you I put on that suit, on my suits, and I went to special remand court, I was like, y'all want the smoke, I promise y'all. And I won every case. Wow. And I can't tell you what that did for me because you feel like such a bad person at two schools, da da da. And my professors in the clinic, like, were like, wow. Like, you even surprised us. I got the respect of my classmates back. It was just, it was incredible. Finished December 15, 2006. Took the February 2007 bar pass on my first try. All 27 subjects in New York. And that was the end. <laughs> wow. So yeah, wow. You, can, you can mess up a lot. You can fail forward. All the things yes. we hear other people say, I, I feel like I'm the fail forward thing. And when I graduated on May 25th, 2007, and they called my name, 17 people from around the country came to watch me graduate. Because we all didn't believe it. It was really happening. Yeah. And I let Georgetown go in that moment. I let all the anger and the hurt and the frustration, I let it go because no school can hold me. And no school is going to determine how high I fly. And I made that decision in, when I walked across the stage, there is no institution that's going to tell me how far I'm going to go. I'm going to bring honor to Spelman. I'm going to be honored to Rutgers. And, and that's exactly what I did. I just did it in a non-traditional way. So yeah, I yeah. work at Southern Cromwell. Yes, I clerked for federal judge in the Southern District, the Honorable Judge Harold Bayer. Oh, my GPA was a 2.9 when I graduated, but I know it don't make sense the kind of experiences I've had. But when you can move through a room full of vultures and you have to get the speech, you'll be amazed at what you can do. And uh worked at a medical malpractice, products liability, toxic tort firm, hated it. I decided, yeah, this is really not me. And wanted to start a company. That's it. Oh, wow. What a story. And then what I love to, I just had a talk with a young lady. Mm-hmm who uh, reminds me of you, actually. She's first-generation college student, really high-performing students, going to a great, graduate from a great university, and she's looking at all the top-tier schools like you are. And I said, listen, uh, she had just mentioned, oh, I didn't have the best experience at the other school because I, I didn't fit in, just like what she said. I said, listen, this, that's going to repeat <laughs> if you go oh, to these schools. So be ready. Either decide, okay, I'm going to figure out a new strategy, or go to a school where you connect with the people there. The names, yes, they carry weight. They can do a lot for you, but not on their own. If you hate your experience there, that's not going to be a good experience. So that's a, that's definitely a lesson I need people considering law school right now to think about. Do I fit in or can I 
find a strategy for me to make this work for me. Because top tier schools have lots of great credentials, but there's more than just a name. There's a full experience and you want to go somewhere where you're supported. You know, you go somewhere where people treat you like you don't belong there. Guess what? You're going to internalize that eventually, just like you did, right? Most people are young starting law school. So what's what strategy would you would you tell students like if they're caught up kind of the way you were in Georgetown? You said your young self didn't know better. So what what would your older self well, tell you? Well, speaking from self? a forty-two year old perspective, <laughs> I I've never fit in. I don't even I, like I've never like I wore hot pink and hot purple suits when I was in the courtroom. Wow, yeah, I, I, you stood out. <laughs> I changed my wigs like I changed my underwears in everyday occurrence. I never looked the same, like. I celebrate difference in all aspects, but that came from me trying to fit in and just being a square peg in a round hole. The other thing I want our young people to know is that the things you think are holding you back today will be the, the things that propel you forward later. If I had known that me being a black woman who is ambitious and assertive and like if I had embraced it, where would I have been at a younger age? Some people go with the confidence of who their parents and their family are. But when you don't have that, remember you're in the same place with less, sometimes less connections and all of that. And yet you're still there. They had everything. So who's really on top? Who you, you literally are showing people that with everything you've had, I'm still in your face. And being and really knowing that law school is not being a lawyer. It's not, you know, so there's some people who are great at like theories and stuff like that. That's not me. I'm practical. That's why I tell people, get in the courtroom with me. I I, I want to see what we can what you can do. Because you can't, you can't beat me at this. You know, and that's because I'm thoroughly prepared. And that's one of the great things about growing up in certain environments is because you get resourceful. And when people don't know how to eat, like this pandemic, I don't know how I'm gonna feed my children. I don't know how I'm gonna feed. To me, this is this is the fourth quarter. And I've been in the fourth quarter lots of times. So if you already love Tom Brady, if you like Tom Brady, you're gonna love me. Cause I, I'm always gonna rise. And I'm gonna show you how it's possible to move through a room full of vultures and to depend on the difference and the purpose that God placed in you. Your job is not to act like everybody else. If that's what you want, you'll get treated average, random, and ordinary, especially if you're a person of color. So let your freak flag fly and just realize that you can do law or you can go into a non-traditional place because now you have the credibility of the law degree passing the bar. You know, people always tell you, you can go so many places with a law degree, but you never see them going anywhere. I have literally proven you can go a lot of places if you are willing to be different. So do oh, what you yeah. got to do in law school. Do what you got to do. Like, yeah. you, I, I, when I studied for the bar, oh, people study 14 hours. I studied five hours a day. And in the midst of that, I watched Maury Povich because I had to know you are the father. Because that was my comic relief for the day. So stuff that I did didn't even make sense. But now I look back and it did because my thing was not to just be an attorney. That was a stepping stone to being an advocate for others who forgot who they are. And when I started my business, Perfect Pitches by Precious, or my first business, Curvy Girls Lingerie, it was to remind women of who they are and whose they are. I may have been 327 pounds. Everybody said, you too fat, you too black, you don't have an Ivy League degree. All of that may be true, but I'm gonna shoot for the moon. And if I don't make it, I'm gonna fall among the stars. Had no idea that I would win 13 out of 14 
uh, national pitch competitions. Had no idea that Shark Tank was in my in my future, and I would be on season eight in 2016, and I would train seven uh, participants on Shark Tank who all were funded. I didn't know I would, with Perfect Pitches, train over 200 business pitch champions. I didn't know that I'd be on the same stage as Damon John years after the fact. I didn't know that I would face homelessness, addiction, severe alcohol addiction when the love of my life died. I didn't know that finding the good and goodbye and walking away and moving on would prepare me for the pandemic and the economic downturn and social unrest. I didn't know that I am my own Tom Brady. And so when, when it's dark and hell is hot, who do you bring in? You bring in someone like me who's gonna remind you, you've been in dark places before. And if you wanna do it like they did, it's probably not gonna work. I'm not a 15 year old Caucasian TikToker. So, okay, but I'm 42 and I know a lot of things that 15 year olds don't know. And so I want women to remember, and women and men, kings and queens. Yeah, so so we jumped from, you kind of went through that whole law career real quick, and clearly it wasn't- There's not much to talk about. I didn't, I didn't like being an attorney. Yeah, I which is fine. I didn't like it. That happens for a lot of people. And I'd actually, I was good at certain aspects of litigation, but I don't miss it. Everyone's like, you don't miss it? You don't want to do- Oh, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm like, no, actually, uh, there's other things I really enjoy. And if I can't do all of it, then I will find a place where I can write my children's books, talk to people, teach, interact with the community and do all the stuff I'm doing now, podcasting, you know. Yeah, I'm just giving you love, that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so, but now we fast forward into Perfect Pitches, but there was some time in between. So how did we end up at Perfect Pitches? You talked about being on Shark Tank and, and helping people um, make their pitches. Talk to us a little bit more about what that means when someone is making a pitch and what it is exactly you help them do. Okay, so I started, first of all, I stopped being an attorney to start this company called Curvy Girls Lingerie. I was dating a very famous Hollywood actor at 327 pounds. Mm-hmm. That's when the pitch can get you anything, I promise. Gorgeous man. Ooh. Mm. Yes. And so I wanted to start a company called Curvy Girls Lingerie because I couldn't find lingerie in my size. And uh, when Victoria's Secret and all these other places didn't make anything, it made me feel bad about myself. And I was like, hold up, it's a lot more of us than anybody else. And yet, we're in the background. I was like, baby, I'm Beyonce. You better believe that. I ain't no sidekick. So I had this idea to start the company. Didn't know how to start it. Don't have a MBA or anything like that. But I had this dream and I'd already seen that I was going to be on stages. I don't know how to explain it. Told my friends, they were like, mm, never going to happen. So I went to an event I couldn't afford. Had negative $40 in my bank account. Got a credit card to pay the $300 ticket to this small business award. Not knowing that, that God was always going to do this. Walked in, no business cards, I ain't got no money. Saw the media sponsors, walked up to the producers of MSNBC. And I pitched not even knowing what I was supposed to do. I didn't even know what I was supposed to do. When I finished, meaning I was pitching my business um, for media opportunities, for investor dollars and things like that, not knowing that these people would change my life. I pitched, they were like, oh, we think, we, we, have you heard of our show Elevator Pitch? I had, but you know, I can't say that. Oh yeah, I heard of it. They brought the host and the book and producer, pitched in front of the book and producer. She said, stop, you can be on the show. No problem. She asked me for my business card. I couldn't say I, I couldn't afford them. So I told her, and I'd be here all night, I ran out of cards. The Killer Pitchmaster was being born right as we spoke. When I was actually on the show, Your Business with JJ Ramberg, it was on MSNBC. 
February 9, 2012. Got there and the Cadillac Escalade that they sent for me to Rockefeller Center. And as a black girl from St. Louis, I never thought that that day would come. Got on the set, they put on my makeup and stuff. Walked out on set, two investors in front of me. And in 54 seconds, I walked away with $500,000. I've never seen that type of money in my freaking life. I know nobody in my family ever saw that. And they told me, you were so good. You need to enter pitch competitions because the way you pitch is so different. Entered 14 and won 13 of them against Harvard, Yale, Stanford, and Columbia, Grand School Tech Companies, International Cup. I did it. And people wanted to know, they wanted to pay me on the spot after hearing me like, hey, I'll pay you anything. Can you teach me how to do what you do? This is natural. But money was being left on the table. And I was like, well, let me try it. So I started off with 10 beta clients. I all won the competitions. I couldn't believe I had the gift of teaching. Started Perfect Pitches by Precious. And so I was running two companies at the same time. Uh, and, you know, Shark Tank came a calling, but I'd already trained four people who'd been, I knew they would talk. So I never stood in line. I never did the whole American Idol type stuff. I never did any of that. They flew me out on September 11th, 2016. I filmed September 15th, 2016. They came to New York to do a home visit with me. Oh, and by the way, at the same time, I was filming a movie. Yes, a movie with Sir Richard Branson and Jack Canfield took a soup for the soul called Leap, lived in Santa Monica, filmed in a mansion in Malibu, flew out to Milan, Italy. Like the things that have happened because I was able to speak it into existence and perform when it's necessary and do what I had to do. So even when I filmed my Shark Tank episode, they wouldn't allow the producers to film the episode part, but everything before and everything after in my hotel room. And when I went on Shark Tank, I was so unafraid. When I walked into that room, when I walked into that room and the second door opened, it was showtime. It was like, this is my Broadway moment. I'm about to light it up. For everyone who said I'd never be here, for my parents who said I was never going to do anything, but you know, being a nobody, I'm about to show the sharks that my name is precious for a reason. And I commanded them like no one ever has before or since. And uh when, I, when Robert Hershevik said to me, watching you was like watching a master at their craft. Mark Cuban said, you go girl. I didn't want a deal, I wanted respect. Because when people see you on television, it changes the game. You start selling in ways you never sold before. And as I went home, here I had fighting with my business partner. She threatened to sue Shark Tank. My episode only aired one time. Here I am thinking that's the end of it. My love of my life died. I became a severe alcoholic because I could not understand living life without that man. Me and my business partner, we were wrong from the beginning. And uh, tried to take my life on my 38th birthday. Obviously I'm 42 turning 43 next month. And I went to a life Christ-centered life transformation program. Two years I didn't speak, two years I was gone. No social media, nothing. When I came out, I was ready to be Precious Williams again, the killer pitch master, given to me by, uh, given to me by MC Light and Robert Townsend 
you know Robert Townsend, Five Heartbeats. When I won the Black Enterprise National Pitch Competition on May 16, 2013, they gave me that title. And so when I said I want to be Precious Williams, I want to be the killer pitch master again. People said it would never happen. Not only did it happen, I stopped looking at those closed doors from these big names who looked at me as a bum. And I said, oh, okay. God said, look over here at the crack in the wall. Look at, look over here at the, you need to go through these. And you don't wait on these other people to tell you who you are. I said who you are and you're going to do it. And so coming out September 1st, 2018 to now, this has been the greatest ride of my life. And I needed to go through the hard times to tell you I am the Tom Brady of pitching. I am the Beyonce of pitching. I am the Barack Obama of pitching. Like, this is what I do. And if I could resurrect what I, my, my failures into success, this is what I teach people to do. So I'm a master of the elevator pitch, which you say at networking events, the media pitch. How do you get media to look at you and you're not paying for it? It's earned media. How do you get investors to where them dollars at? Where the money reside? Where the money reside? Um, how do you get the job of your dreams or the position of your dreams? How do you create the perfect sales pitch? And finally, if you're a speaker, I know y'all want to be book busy and what paid? So I'm a master in all forms of pitching. I've done it for myself, for my clients. I'm a corporate trainer at LinkedIn, Google, Microsoft, Federal Reserve Bank, into a QuickBook. My newest client is Yelp. And think about it. Three years ago, I'm sitting at home. Three and a half years ago, I was homeless. Today, two-bedroom apartment in New York City, and I fly all over the world as a killer pitch master. I took every flaw. I took every mistake. And I used it to my advantage, which most people don't. So I don't run from people saying, oh, was that, did you used to? Yeah, that was me. It's not me today. And me not being a, an attorney means nothing. It was, it's, it's credibility, but it also shows you I am who I say I am. What an inspirational story. So now, you know, I want to hire you because I got all kinds of pictures. <laughs> of you know, and I had to pitch the idea of this podcast, of my nonprofit, I mean, everything, right? And I got to fundraise and I got to find jobs. I help the students find jobs. All I mean, stuff. queen, can I tell you, you've come to the right place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you got the big boys coming to you and trust and believe, let me just say this for people who question this, because people were like, was it because of George Floyd, baby? I've been a professional speaker since I was 16. I'm 42, that's 26 years. If you want to take out two years, I said, I've been doing this a long time. But I think when you understand your niche, I'm a pitch master, not a motivational speaker. I don't compete with Les Brown, Tony Brown. I don't compete with them. They can't compete in my realm. I don't compete in their realm. And so Perfect Pitches by Precious, I can tell you how to what slay all competition. I don't care how big the company is, how small, how big anybody is. You can you can cut them down to size when you create your own lane. And you have people coming to you because there's a step-by-step -step process of building credibility, building up those testimonials and getting those people to refer you. Hashtag pitching for profit, pitching you in spaces you didn't even know existed. So that is my secret sauce. I don't care what mistakes you've made. You can still make people come to you and be in the right spaces that don't require gatekeepers to give you permission. Oh, nice. So let's see those you, books. So no, the website, the, how do we, how we get some of the secret sauce, right? Cause All right. So the, the, the full price, but there's some, okay. some resources for us, right? Okay. So here's a free resource and I'm going to give you everything else. So here's a free resource for all of you wonderful people. I have a free quiz called, and you can go to www.pitchingforprofit.com. 
you can take my six question quiz and it'll show you where you are in your pitching journey and where you can be if you incorporate these steps. Number two, my website is www.perfectpitchesbyprecious.com. While you're there, you can see some of the events that I have coming up in 2022. You can see uh, ways to work with me one-on-one. If you have an organization, a company, a nonprofit, government, if you want to hire me to come in and teach the art and science of pitching, whether sales, elevator, media, investor, whatever, you can book me there. I have two hour laser focus pitching sessions where I create a pitch for you. So you can see that I'm not going to be talking to you and leaving you like, oh, what what I do? No, no, no. I'm going to create it for you. And then we can perfect it together. Um, I also have consultations. And uh, here's the great thing. I'm a three-time number one best-selling author, The Bad Bitches and Power Pitches for Women Entrepreneurs and Only Speaker Series. So this book was reviewed by Forbes magazine under, go to Forbes and put in Pitching is Bitching. How many of you ever seen Forbes magazine put it, a curse word in the title? What does that show you? It comes to you when you are, when you say you are. I so know you've been using that word by, freely, so we're, yes. we're going to let it slide. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and I'm sorry, Quinn. And yes, this is a four-time book of the year finalist in business, economics, and sales. Second book, BB and PP. The workbook. This book is all about giving you different prompts to work on that's best for your company and the audience that you're you're going to be in front of, whether it's intimate, whether it's football stadiums, whether it's media, whatever. This is the prompt book. And then my third book is Pitching for Profit, the Bad B Playbook for Converting Conversations into Currency. This book teaches you how to build and rebuild your network so that you can monetize that network and you can teach people how to pitch you in the spaces you didn't even know existed. There is no way I should be International Women's Day speaker in Halifax, Nova Scotia or in Italy. I'm Black, y'all, on both sides. I'm, I'm supposed to be a failure. This is how you do it. So once you get your pitches together, start getting your network to do the heavy lifting for you. Finally, I am Precious Williams. I'm the proud founder and CEO of Perfect Pitches by Precious. On LinkedIn, you can find me under Precious L. Williams Killer Pitchmaster. On Facebook, I am at Perfect Pitch P. On Twitter, I am at Perfect Pitch P. And on Instagram, I'm at Perfect Pitches P. If you go on YouTube, Perfect Pitches by Precious. And I do a LinkedIn live show every Sunday called Keeping It Real with a what? Killer Pitchmaster. And so those are the ways you can definitely get in contact with me, book of consultations, you know, look over my site, see the fun things that we do, the free resources that I offer and become a part of our Facebook group. So that's how you can get in contact with me. And thank you so much for having me, Queen. Thank you so much for joining us. This was one of my funnest podcasts. I'm on a like emotional roller coaster. <laughs> girl, that's how I am, girl. I thought you're the emotional speaker. I'm not the logical one. I'm yeah. I'm gonna hit you here because we're most of our decisions are made anyway, emotionally, then we'll justify it logically. We will. Yes, we will. And all that information is gonna be in our show notes. Thank you once again for joining us for Journey to Esquire the podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to another great episode of Journey to Esquire, the podcast. Support, share, subscribe. And for more, visit www.journeytoesquire.com.